Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. Wednesday morning means a new Highways Voices, and this week we look at the shape of traffic. I think this term that we've coined recently, the, the, the new shape of traffic, is a good description. What we will be able to see, we publish our information in some real-time products and near real-time as well, and we'll very quickly be able to see a picture building up. I think cities should be starting to invest more in real-time modelling, in bringing the power of modelling, bringing their transport planning services together with their network management services. Different commuting patterns mean different transport requirements. Find out why it's about being a model citizen on this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. So the new shape of traffic to come as our main feature with two guests on this week's Highways Voices from the home of your daily news briefing, highwaysnews.com. And Adrian Tatum joined me as always to pick out the key stories this week on Highways News. Adrian, hello. What's caught your eye? Well, this week, um, £54 million for the next generation of hydrogen buses and electric trucks. Once again, highlighting the government's commitment there to reach carbon zero as soon as possible. Also, great news for local authorities that an assessment model has been found for them to demonstrate the economic benefits of highway maintenance. Available on the UK RLG website, the Highways Maintenance Economic Assessment Tool, really at last, I think, a tool that, that really enables them to tell the public, tell the partners they're working with what the benefits of maintenance are. So I think for a long time, they've equated that for every pound spent, there's almost double that in economic and social benefits. But now at all for them to, to really understand that in detail, and, and, and that could lead to some, some real benefits in the future. Also, Balfour Beatty and various academic institutes working on a new carbon calculator this week, and Oxford City Council gets more funding for their ongoing air quality projects, which have attracted quite a, quite a deal of um, interest there. Oxford looking to, to introduce a, a CAZ at some point in the future. Thanks, Adrian. I'll draw your attention to a story on our site about hacking of the transport industry in India. I think it's only a matter of time until we're hit by something horrible in the UK. The warning signs are there, both from this story and one we ran in America about uh, some really eye-watering problems with cybersecurity there. So let's try as an industry to get ahead of the curve. I reckon that's a podcast for a future week i reckon there adrian um also lots of electromobility stories uh, you talked about the hydrogen one there's also a tidal powered charge point in scotland technology means you can now start your car with alexa so those are some of the stories to pick out this week on our site and don't forget that if you haven't already please sign up to our daily newsletter and every lunchtime you'll get a summary of everything going on in the industry all in one one place it just saves you a lot of time hunting it down from multiple places and don't forget to subscribe to this here highways voices as well we're on all the main podcast platforms so thanks for now adrian you'll be back a bit later with a new feature we've got that we're calling adrian's accolade picking out an organization or person for specific praise this week that's on its way highways voices with paul hutton and adrian tatum first up after a year of travel restrictions let's start by 
by talking about how transport has changed over the past year. In a moment, we'll talk to Darren Capes of the DFT and Transport Technology Forum. But our first guest is Peter Lees, Key Account Director at Inrix. Now, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, the Inrix Global Traffic Scorecard confirmed huge drops in traffic levels around the world and across the UK, down by up to 75% in city centres. So to find out more, I caught up with Peter and asked him first to remind us how the data is gathered. What Imrix does, we're a worldwide uh, business operating in around 50 countries, over a thousand cities. We collect GPS uh, points of data from many different vehicle classes right around uh, the world in all those countries. Actually, billions of points of data every single day. Those points of data come, come from uh, numerous sources and vehicle types. And what we do by calculating as those points move along a roadway, we can obviously calculate from that the speed at which uh, vehicles are going. And then from that mass of data, uh, we can then use that to influence um, our products and services, um, along with, in this case, um, our scorecard, which Imrix uh, has been producing for the last 15 years or so. And we've got the scorecard on the Highways News website, so I won't dwell too much on it, but some really interesting numbers that came out. Uh, British drivers losing just 37 hours on average in traffic um, over the last year, down from 115 in 2019. Uh, so we've seen a massive change in the amount of traffic that's been on the roads over the last year for obvious reasons with lockdown. But I guess the intelligence that you can bring to the industry is as lockdowns ease and please God, can we get back to some sort of normality come June onwards? That normality could well include an awful lot more home working, which means an awful lot less of the traditional commute that we've seen in mornings and afternoons. Absolutely. And I, I, I guess we have yet to see how that's going to pan out. Certainly, um, what we noticed um, throughout 2020 was, you know, as, as you say, a significant uh, uh, drop in the amount of traffic, um, more than 50% in some cases. So at the first lockdown uh, in April 2020, uh, we saw a, a a drop of 75%, a bit less so in this more recent um, lockdown of around uh, 50%. And particularly, we've noticed the biggest drop being commutes in and out of uh, towns and city centres. So whereas generally travelling between um, centres, so on the motorway network and the, and the larger road networks, uh, and between smaller town and village centres, traffic hasn't been affected as much. So we anticipate that that will rebound and has already started to, to a degree, uh, more quickly uh, than the uh, the regular commuting traffic, where, you know, it's a bit of an unknown at the moment. But yes, I'm sure a percentage will continue to work from home, either for all all the week or part of the week, um, which which could have a uh, have an impact. So what we will be able to see, we publish our information in some real-time products and near real-time as well, and we'll very quickly be able to see a picture building up as we continue through and hopefully, uh, as you allude to, Paul, uh, get out of this lockdown situation. And it is vital, isn't it, for transport planners to fully understand exactly how people are moving around and so your data i guess provides that insight that then they can fuse with what they're seeing from their sensors on the roads and furthermore uh, their uh, ridership on buses trains and so forth that data coming in and we see how 
public transport will rebound and how much it will rebound because of course there might be fewer commutes because people are working from home but if that's offset by more of them sitting in their car driving to work because they don't want to get the bus or a train then uh, overall we could end up with more congestion rather than less indeed that's possible and i, I think for for local and national road authorities it's about it's about blending as much of this data as you can from from many sources to help certainly with local and city authorities imrix is uh, bringing a new product into the uk towards the end of this year it's signals product which will help further to look at ways of reducing congestion at uh, red lights, at uh, traffic signals. Uh, and all these things, you know, not only help with uh, keeping people on the move, we've already alluded to the fact that it saves the country money, saves individuals money, and also just makes for a better life. You know, who wants to be sitting in a traffic jam? So, you know, not, of course, to mention uh, very crucially, the, uh, the positive impact on the environment as well. So I think it is about blending lots of information, both personal cars through to fleet vehicles and uh, how people are using public transport and uh, uh, cycling as well. Peter Lees from Inrix there and a far cry from when I ran the traffic gathering operation, which involved people calling petrol stations and little chefs and asking them to look out of the window and tell them what the traffic was doing outside. We'll hear more about what you can do with the data that we have now with Darren Capes in a moment. But first, it's a new feature. It's Adrian's accolade. Hey, that was good. Um, Adrian Tatum is back with a look at someone who deserves top credit for something they've done this week adrian who have you considered well it's been quite a close one actually it's more been organizations or collaborations or things this week rather than a person or one organization certainly the balfour Beatty and, and various academic institutes creating a carbon calculator now there's there's various carbon calculators around that organizations can use to offset carbons and do other things but i think balfour Beatty have, have gone one step further here linking with academics also, a story that we ran yesterday on Highways News about tarmac producing an asphalt with, with rubber in it, being used on Leicestershire's roads. That has also been quite impressive, all really geared towards sustainability and, and, and the move for local authorities to become more sustainable as, as, as they move forward. And that will be linked to further funding for them as well next year. But I think the winner for me has to be the uh, HMEA, Highway Maintenance Economic Assessment Tool, for me, really, this has been something the local authorities have been crying out for for a long, long time, an actual tool for them to demonstrate what they've been saying for over a decade um, up and down the country, that for every pound spent on, on highway maintenance, you're getting a lot back. You're not just getting that return on value, but you're getting lots of social and economic benefits. And this tool takes various different factors, puts them together and enables local authorities moving forward to really demonstrate the case for why they do the work they do, but also demonstrate a case for further funding in the future. So congratulations, HEMA, for being the first, actually, hang on, let's use the voiceover again because we've had it made. Adrian's accolade. On Highways Voices. Don't forget to subscribe to Highways Voices to keep up to date with the latest edition. We're on your favourite podcast platform. Now, back to the new shape of traffic. Um, For a year, the Transport Technology Forum has been collating data from more than 100 local authority areas about road use and cycling. It's useful stuff to help us really understand what the demand is on our roads, as well as adherence to restrictions. But now we've got all this data, what can a local authority do with it? 
Darren Capes is ITS lead at the Department for Transport and his job involves, among other things, managing the TTF. And he told me the weekly data reports have become extremely useful. We now have nearly a year's worth of data. So, so not only are we able to see what's happening and, and how lockdown is affecting trade and travel and, and daily life, but we're also able to make some interesting comparisons between pre-lockdown and between the, what's happened in the various ones. So we can start to see some interesting trends. I think we can start to see the way that traffic may bounce back from this. I think looking at what's happening now is interesting. That's very useful for government. It helps us with policy decisions in the short term. It helps us with deciding what measures to, to take, how to, how to implement lockdown, how to implement various restrictions. And similarly, it can help local authorities with similar short-term planning around how we deal with lockdown, how we deal with COVID. But increasingly, the interesting thing, I think, is understanding how we will bounce back from this and what that will mean in the longer term for transport for planning, for urban development, for urban traffic control, for the way that we allocate road space in our cities, for the way that we think about public transport and e-mobility, active travel, all these various decisions which are going to come to the forefront as we get back to some kind of normal, let's hope. Then I think the data set that we have is, is helping us do that. And it's helping us peer slightly into the future and, and start to make some predictions about how things may return to normal. So it's an increasingly useful data set to, to be able to see what's coming back and what's changing. And, and certainly from the data set, you can read some interesting trends about the type of people that are travelling, why people are travelling. You can see the various events like schools going back, you can see the way that different businesses are, are, are working in the data. It show, it, it's a really interesting lens through which to see what's happening in our cities. I'll come to where you think things might go in the future, but there are so many variables that we are dealing with at the moment because, of course, it's not just the fact that people are now working from home. So you can see from the data that very office-centric localities have a very different shape of traffic to areas where there's a lot more manufacturing, where people, obviously, if you work in a factory, you can't work from home if you're working on the production line. But then you throw in the vast number of seats on public transport that aren't being used at the moment compared to public transport that was pretty much at capacity in a lot of places at peak times pre-pandemic. And it's trying to work out, Darren, how those are going to even out, because it could be that more people start going back to the office, but nowhere near as many as there used to be. But those that are going back to the office are going in their cars rather than on public transports. You, you're going to end up with actually more traffic on the road, as I said to Peter, than less. I think that's right. And I think I think this term that we've coined recently, the, the, the new shape of traffic, is a good description. What we're seeing already is in many parts of the country, traffic volumes not that far below normal. And we've seen this through the, the three lockdowns, is that traffic to some extent falls off a cliff as measures come into force and then it slowly starts to bounce back again and certainly as we're seeing now with the, the gradual unwinding of the restrictions traffic grows quite quickly and, and as, as we see from the most recent data for many parts of the country it's only a few percentage points bef below where we would expect it to be where it was pre-covid but what is different is the shape of the of the peak periods what's different is the shape of the, the difference between the peak and the interpeak period and this is where it gets interesting because this is where we as you say we can start to see differences between between areas that have high levels of manufacturing, where most people are back in, in work now, most factories are working, but they tend to leave at four in the afternoon and they have a peak that looks very similar to they used to. Areas where we have high levels of office work, they haven't 
than anything like the same peak because most office workers are still working from home. And certainly the, the, the later peak as office workers leave at five and six in the afternoon is much less visible now than the, the peak generated by manufacturing. We are seeing in some parts of the city, we're seeing morning peak traffic higher than it was pre-lockdown. And you think, well, why would that be? And as you've just alluded to, I would imagine that that is, is due to low public transport use. I think cities that have efficient park and ride services, which generally aren't working very to anything like capacity at the moment. Cities that have high levels of rail use into town centres or long distance bus use will be seeing most of that transfer into car use. And again, that's interesting now because it's showing us something interesting, but it's also interesting for the future because if that takes a long time to come back, if that balance takes a long time to reset, that's a transport planning decision that we have to make long term about accommodating a different modal mix of people travelling to work. And how will it work? Obviously, London is very much train-based commuting from sort of the suburbs into the centre of town. I think of my son who up to just uh, over a year ago would leave home at 630 in the morning get home about quarter to seven at night and spend thousands of pounds for the privilege so he's actually really quite enjoyed working from home because he's got four hours a day back that he's not commuting so I think the chances of him going back into an office in central London five days a week is very slim he'll go in for meetings but work he'll do from home and I think that's a large number of people will be like that but when you're providing transport it doesn't work like that because of course for years you've been coping with these morning and afternoon peaks and that's how capacity has been judged so how on earth do you a now plan for delivering a new shape of transport not just traffic and also how on earth if you're relying on fare revenue are you going to pay for it i think i think one of the first things to say is that we invested a huge amount of effort a huge amount of time and resource over the last 20 30 years in driving down carbon commuting and in cities across the uk dealing with carbon commuting and, and reducing it and, and getting people to cycle and walk getting people onto public transport onto rail onto park and ride onto other, other services has been a huge part of our policy and, and quite rightly so we, we want to reduce car and going forward, as we see an increased interest in air quality, in reducing carbon, a world where more of us commute to work by car is really not something we want. That really is setting the policy clock back decades. So we need to avoid that. But you're right. Traditional public transport, has, its business case has been predicated on very high levels of use, very predictable five days a week. And actually, as anyone who's commuted into a town by bus or train will know, they were full. There really was no problem in getting people onto buses and, and trains in the peak hour to get them into, into work. That will change. We don't know how long it will be before buses and trains are able to run at full capacity again. We don't know how the degree to which people will want to cram onto trains and buses if they're able to. So we really do need to think carefully about how we provide that without seeing high levels of car use and, and, and without seeing increased levels of private car use of, of carbon and the like. I think more flexible train and bus services. I think maybe, certainly for buses, maybe more smaller vehicles rather than fewer big vehicles. I think as the rail industry is finding out now, much more flexible ticketing. So so traditional season tickets, I think, will be a very bad investment when, when you're travelling to work three days a week. Business cases that don't rely on very high levels of use twice a day, five days a week. These are all issues that are going to need to be dealt with to find the new business case, the new median at which public transport is sustainable. Let's rewind to when you worked at City of York Council. There are people like you were all over the country scratching their heads trying to work out what all this means. How can the data that is now available, we keep getting told data is the new oil, but actually 
data on its own doesn't help anybody. You need to understand it and use it. What's your recommendation to people across the country who are trying to work out what transport to deliver into the future and how can they use the data that is available to help them make the right decisions? We are seeing masses of data that we, we never used to see and we're seeing new sources of data and of course that's great and the, and the other thing we're seeing in parallel to that is new ways of modeling we're seeing increasingly uh, elaborate models we're seeing increasingly powerful computing capabilities that allow us to run models much more complex models and i think cities should be starting to invest more in real-time modeling in bringing the power of modeling bringing their transport planning services together with their network management services working with companies uh, traditional app players and new entrants into the market that can model things in real time because i think really now is the time to start using this data to try and assess how this affects our city and i think to go back to the analogy of, of my days in york I, I certainly had a good idea of what york looks like in an average morning and evening peak and i had, I had a good idea where the congestion points were and people doing same jobs in cities around the country similarly would have a very good idea what their city looks like that's changed now and i think now is the time to start to invest in the resource to, to, to get the modeling in place to, to get a new understanding of what, how your city will work in the future darren capes of the transport technology forum there with some advice for local authorities you've now got all this data it's now time to really make the most of it and that's it for this week's highways voices we'll have a look at training next week on our podcast it may be easter holidays but we'll still be here thanks for listening tell your colleagues about us and do share the podcast far and wide we'll talk again next week highways voices join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry 